This morning I want to look at uh, another key, and particularly we'll probably look at this key over the next few weeks up until and through Palm Sunday, and then on Easter we'll do a transition there. But uh, before I head into that, I, uh, I'm from California. Uh, I don't know if I look like I'm from California or not, but I've, uh, being here now for as many years as we have, I've noticed, you know, there's a few differences between California and Texas. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Um, also, there's differences in Texas churches from uh, churches in California. So if you hadn't noticed these, I, I wanted to share some of them with you. So how do you know that you're in a Texas church? Well, you know you're in a Texas church when people grumble about Noah letting fire ants on the ark. Uh, you know you're in a Texas church when the worship leader says, would y'all all please stand? Would all y'all, all y'all please stand? I can't even hardly say that. Um, you know you're in a Texas church when finding and returning lost sheep isn't just a parable. You know you're in a Texas church when uh, baptism is referred to as Brandon. Weehaw. You know you're in a Texas church when the choir ensemble is known as the OK Corral. You know you're in a Texas church when the restrooms are outside. Here's a good one many of you would probably like. You know you're in a Texas church when opening day of deer season is recognized as an official church holiday. You know you're in a Texas church when a member of the church requests to be buried in his four-wheel drive truck because it ain't never been in a hole it couldn't get out of. You know you're in a Texas church when people wonder when Jesus fed the 5,000 whether the two fish were bass or catfish. And you know you're in a Texas church when the final words of the benediction are, y'all come back now here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, how loving and kind you are to each and every one of us as as individual as we are. Uh, We're such uh, a plethora of of, um, variety of people, and you love us all. And I thank you that um, your heart is towards us, and it's towards every human being. And I just uh, welcome you to learn. Uh, I welcome you to help us to learn uh, these few weeks uh, about this topic and that we uh, could hear perhaps things we've never heard before, comprehend, grasp, and implement things that would help us truly live the kind of life that we long to live and that you long for us to live. Father, I ask especially for our guests that are here that you would help them in particular to find and meet you today that uh, through these uh, thoughts and materials that you would enable them to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. Have your way with us today. Might your will be done. In Jesus' name. I want to talk about stewardship. Stewardship is a very misunderstood and really little used word in the world today. If you were to ask most people in the church, I think you would hear people say that what stewardship means is something about money or tithing or giving. But stewardship is not only and is not particularly a financial program. Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary defines stewardship as one, the office, duties, and obligations of a steward. Or secondly, the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So I would like for this series to define stewardship in this way, and then we'll look at uh, some of the understandings for it. Stewardship, I would advocate, is managing and overseeing something that isn't yours. The key word in this definition, I believe, is management, The word steward means manager. Stewardship, therefore, then is management. I think that's a term that we're much more familiar with. We think of a manager in a business. They're not the owner. They're the manager. But they often and should have authority to manage. Uh, They also have authority to be able to implement and make decisions. But they're not the owner. They're the manager. And their goal is to serve the owner in a way so that the owner is blessed. Isn't that what we would hope would happen in business? And usually a good manager is rewarded for their efforts. Um, And so I think we can learn from that model a little bit. 
Let's uh, talk for a moment about the basis for stewardship. If we're going to understand particularly biblical stewardship, we have to go back to the beginning of time, to the very first book of the Bible, in fact, to the first verse of the Bible. And Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I would advocate that the very first principle of stewardship is God owns everything. In the beginning, God created everything. And as a result of that, he owns everything. After you go down to Old Navy and you buy a T-shirt and a pair of pants or slacks maybe, and you come home and you say, hey, everybody, look at my new clothes. After a lot of hard work, maybe a few heart failures, you buy your first house and you say to your friends, come on over and see my new house. But the real truth is that those things, the money we use to buy them, the energy, the skill we use to earn that money is not ours, it's God's. The psalmist says in Psalms 24:1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Apostle Paul echoes this in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 10, 26. He says, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's actually uh, quoting from that psalm. God owns everything. He owns all the orange groves in the world. He owns all the trees in every orange grove. He owns all the oranges on every tree. And he owns the juice in every orange. He owns every plant, every rock, every animal, every person, everything. God owns everything. He is the owner. He even owns you, and he owns me. He owns this land. He owns these buildings. He owns everything because he made it, and he's the one who sustains it. So the first principle of stewardship is God owns everything. But just because God owns it doesn't necessarily mean that it's being used the way he intended it to be used. Can you imagine a business where the manager is not? facilitating business as the owner would want. Can you imagine a business where the manager is not facilitating even the money coming to the owner that should come to him? That can happen. It happens in life in that way, and it can happen as well in every other regard. So there's a second principle of stewardship, which is that we are managers of what God owns. Genesis 128 says, God blessed them, And said to them, talking to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then in Genesis 2.15, he continues, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and care for it. So why did God make humankind? What is their purpose? The Bible says that God made man and woman to be caretakers of the world, to be its manager, to steward what God had created. Our job description includes to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it, tend it, and to take care of it. And I believe that that can be summed up in this word management. God created man and woman to be the managers of his creation. So stewardship principle number one, we've said, is God owns it all. Stewardship principle number two is you and I were made, have been created, have been born. We live on this planet for the purpose of managing what God owns. We have been made to manage the resources that God has put here to rule over things, to oversee, to take charge of. So God's very first command to humankind had to do with this issue of stewardship and management. If that was the very first thing he addressed, then you might think it's important. I kind of think that. What do you think? Jordan, do you think that might be important? It would be all right. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay. God wants us to manage the earth. We're responsible for using it wisely. In a sense, God made man and woman his junior partners. He said, I've created the world. Here's the raw materials and the resources. Now go out and make something of it. You're the manager. You're the caretaker. You're the steward. You're my junior partner. But don't forget, I'm the owner. God said, I'm putting you on this earth, and you get to use its resources. You get to manage its goods. You get to enjoy it all, but don't ever forget, I own it. I made it, and I keep it going. 
While managers have authority to lead and decisions in most businesses, the ultimate control of the business or anything related to it always resides in the owner, not the manager. And I would say that one of the problems that we face in our world today is that we have forgotten what we were created for. We've forgotten this purpose and role. We go out and manage what God has given and created, and pretty soon we start thinking we own it. We start acting like the owners as if we created the world. We start using words like my and mine, my life, my plans, my possessions, my time. Sound familiar? But who gave us that? God did. Who really owns all of those things? God does. And what is our role? To manage it. To be a steward of those things. So stewardship, when you get down to it, is simply partnership with God. And a question I want us to begin to ask over the next few weeks, and particularly as we walk through this, is how am I doing in my stewardship of the things that God has given me to manage? How are you doing? How am I doing? How are we doing at raising our kids to understand that? How are we doing at sharing that with others? How am I doing in my stewardship of the things God has given me to manage? Now, Jesus talked a lot about stewardship. Many of his parables were around this topic. And one that I want to look at today is a story where Jesus told about a man who went away on a trip. The context of this is found in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 in Very probably it has reference to him going to be with his father in heaven and his eventual second coming. If you read the context, that's the context of this story. But I believe it also helps us to understand what Jesus' expectations and understanding about stewardship might be for us. So let me read that to you, Matthew 25, verses 14 to 29, kind of a long text. I don't have it up on the screen. You can turn there if you would like. I'll be reading particularly out of the New Living Translation. Matthew 25, 14 to 29. Prior to leaving on a trip, a man called together his servants and he entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another he gave two bags of gold, and to another he gave one bag of gold, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold began immediately to invest the money and soon he doubled it. The servant with the two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money as well. But the servant who received the one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. Put it in safety deposit box. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest. I've doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Enjoy a part of my happiness. Next came the servant who had received the two bags of gold with the report, Sir, you gave me two bags of gold to invest, and I've doubled the amount. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Enjoy a part of my happiness. Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and here it is back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops I didn't plant, gathering crops I didn't cultivate. Well, you should have at least put my money in the bank so that I could have some interest. Take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Let's um, take note maybe of a few uh, thoughts and ideas from this material. Firstly, I think we can note and understand that the owner entrusted his property to his servants. They were stewards of his resources and wealth. The money wasn't given to them to do with as they pleased. It wasn't a gift. It wasn't uh, uh, something for them to just, woohoo, let's go on a vacation. Uh, it was entrusted. It was his. And 
there, that investment was to be on behalf of the owner. That's the instructions that they had. Secondly, we see that the money was divided according to each servant's abilities. The resources were not given evenly. One got five, one got two, one got one. There's another story Jesus tells, a very parallel story. One time he speaks of ten and five and one. So the money is not given evenly. See, we, we often think, we look around maybe at people, friends. I think we've experienced some, some challenges in our own church at times where we, you know, there are some people who are very gifted. They're very talented. And it can be a challenge for us when we see that to think, well, what about me? Or perhaps to be one of those with skill and talent and gifting and to somehow have more lofty thoughts. We're all servants. We're all servants. And the goal is to be responsible and resourceful with what he has given us. Thirdly, the first two stewards were immediately resourceful, and they multiplied, they expanded the owner's money. The third steward, however, who was entrusted with the least, played it safe, and he simply hid the money. Another item we see is that after a long time, the owner returned and he required an accounting. There was a time when, okay, we've got to divvy up. We've got to come back. We've got to address. We've got to think this through. It's obvious that he had expectations on how his money had been used. Next, we see that the owner was very proud. He was very happy at how resourceful the first two servants were. It pleased him. It made him happy. And as a result of that, the owner rewarded their resourcefulness and they shared in his bounty. Speaks of sharing in this translation, sharing in his happiness. But there's another point here in this particular parable, and that is that the owner punished the servant who had not invested or increased what he had been given. So what are some principles about stewardship that we can learn from this story? A third principle of stewardship is that all that we have is God's and we are only managers of what we have. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? So I think we've really got to wrestle with our hearts relative to this whole stewardship issue. I think there is a very, very, very strong tendency, again, to uh, be boastful or even to um, put ourselves down for what we don't have. Uh, some of you are guests, and you, you wouldn't know this story, but um, our church has gone through a pretty rough couple of years, and um, we just moved from a 10,000-square-foot facility back in November, and we're now renting from Church on the Rock this uh, space on Sunday afternoons. Um, when we initially, my family and I, planted the church in 1995, uh, we moved here uh, not knowing one family that we had, Claire and I had gone to college with, but um, they were of a, a different tradition, and so uh, they weren't really available to be a part of the church. But we came, my wife and I, we have five daughters, and uh, we were the five loaves and two fishes we thought of ourselves as. And and the grace of God was here. There were three uh, vineyard church plants prior to that, none of which had made it. And so uh, we came in with the uh, blessing and help and support of some other vineyards, uh, particularly in Houston. And um, our church grew very, very rapidly. And um, in fact, uh, we received some notoriety uh, in our uh, movement for the rapid growth of the church. We had one of the key leaders was here at one time and spoke in our church and kind of patted us all on the back. And it was a very, very exciting uh, time. But one of the things that was really tr- clear for Claire and I is that we were simply stewarding uh, what he got, the resources God had given to us. And and, and we were not the ones who made it happen. We worked hard. We applied the, the skills and the giftings and the understandings, but, but we didn't cause that growth. God causes the growth. He says that very clearly in his, in his word. But as we have experienced now over the past few years decline, 
and some changes, some people going out from us to plant another church, other people uh, going for other kinds of reasons, and we now find ourselves at a a smaller numerical number uh, than we did then. One of the things that's been a real wrestling point for me has been, have I caused this? And, and real honestly, that has been a struggle for me. That's where I have been uh, for some time and feeling like it must be my fault. And um, I remember just in the last couple of months sort of, sort of voicing that for the first time, saying, you know, I didn't take any credit for how the church grew rapidly, but somehow, for some reason, I want to take all the credit for it declining. And I just thought, you know what, that's not right. And uh, actually last week at our, uh, the celebration that we had here, I, I personally felt very, very encouraged, a uh, number of folks uh, sharing very, very positively. And I'm, uh, I'm thrilled about what is happening in our church. Uh, personally, very, very encouraged, uh, very excited. But we've got to figure out these keys. We've got to understand these principles that we're looking at. They're very vital. This, this uh, understanding of stewardship is absolutely vital for us as a church, but it won't be us as a church unless it's us as individuals and as families. So my hope and my prayer is, is that, um, that we'll all be growing in these. Gee, put my glasses away. Now I can't see. So principles from this story on stewardship. I mentioned the third principle being that all that we have is God's and we're under, and we are only managers of what he is. There's a fourth principle of stewardship, which is that every one of us Every one of us have been given gifts and talents which God is wanting us to invest for him. doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. You have resources. Uh, one of my daughters and I just watched the, uh, the animated uh, movie Dinosaur this weekend. And it's an older movie. thought, you know, for sure you've seen it or heard about it. But anyway, there's this two elderly dinosaurs that uh, this young dinosaurs is particularly sort of helping to keep up and, and, and get along. And there's this point where they're caught in a cave and um, the young dinosaur is trying to, you know, take full responsibility to break through this humongous wall, you know, of earth that, that he isn't uh, capable of breaking through. And he kind of gives up and says, oh, well. And and then there's this, I, sh- I probably should have grabbed it as a clip, but I just thought about it now anyway. And, uh, and then this, uh, one of these elderly uh, dinosaurs says, now wait a minute, Sonny. Uh, you, you've been, you know, you've done something wrong here. You've taught me that I'm valuable and that I have things to offer and to bring to this. And she happens to be this, I don't know what kind of dinosaur that is. I'm not good about that. But anyway, she's one of these huge, huge dinosaurs. And so she rears back in this great big cave and she and the other uh, older dinosaur kind of break, and they all kind of lend in. It's a great team thing, great thing. But again, this concept of stewardship, it doesn't matter how old, young, how new in Christ you are. It doesn't matter how much schooling you've had or how much money you make. It's not related, but every one of us have gifts and talents. And God is wanting us to bring those to the table. Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in, preoccup- excuse me, in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. It is, if it's showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. And this is not just about men. It's about men, women, children. It's not an issue here. Paul is meaning humankind in that particular passage. We all have differing gifts, and God is wanting us to use them. The fifth principle of stewardship. Jesus has gone away, but he's coming back again. And when he does, there is going to be an accounting for every person including those who are followers of Jesus. Romans 14, 11 and 12. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to me. Yes, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So every one of us, there is going to be an accounting. And I know that for myself, I am longing for the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm living my life. I'm turning 50 here in a couple of months. And I, and I am living these last years of my life with greater enthusiasm and expectation. I am 
to hear those words. They're becoming more and more vital and significant to me. Honestly, the things of this world, you know, we have a wonderful home. I've got great kids, a couple crummy cars, but hey, that's okay. They run. Um, It's just not about this world anymore. I'm looking forward. Claire wrote an email, I think it was this week, might have been the week before, just... We have a very, very good friend, Steve Seibert, who's over in, um, been ministering in the Ukraine and Soviet, the, what was the Soviet Union, Russia, and Moscow now for, gosh, since like 90, 1990. So he's been there for like 17 years. He's learned the language, working with local churches. And um, he was sharing in his email to Clara, and then Clara kind of responded back, just kind of going, you know, I think I, you know, Clara particularly was related. I think I can really relate to Paul when he says, hmm. You know, it's probably better for me to stay for you, but man, I'm looking forward to going. I'm looking forward to well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I'm not going to get that. You're not going to get that unless we apply ourselves and recognize this key of stewardship, that we're responsible for what God has given us. So that's the fifth principle, that there will come an accounting. Sixth principle of stewardship, God rewards those who have been faithful to steward well what he has given them. Matthew 16:27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. This is not talking about salvation process. That has been a once and forever and all time, one time done deal when Jesus died on the cross and he provisioned for us newness of life. That is not what we're going to get a reward for. The reward we get for that one is what he did and it's eternal life. But there is reward coming for how we have lived after that, not before. All that gets clean, clear state, clean slate, Get a fresh start. Get to, get to start fresh, okay? So how are we doing after that? How are we doing it? Living our life as a steward of God. Not, not earning brownie points, simply loving God, honoring Him out of the love and the graciousness that He has extended to us that we extend back to Him. But there will be reward. The seventh principle echoes that. Those who are faithful to steward well what God has given them will share in Christ's riches. And when Christ, the head shepherd, comes, your reward will be a never-ending share in his glory and honor. Now, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about what's going to happen after this life. We've, uh, you know, the, the harp, playing harps and sitting on clouds with wings is not in there. If you've, if you've thought that that's what we do in heaven, that's not in there. But what is in there is worshiping God day and night. Lives unhindered by sin, by pride, by self, freely to worship and adore him. But I personally think, based on many of these parables and passages that Jesus has given to us about this object of stewardship, it's my personal belief not, you know, based on these, but of course not clearly ex, uh, explained this way, I think that heaven is going to be places where we rule on God's behalf somehow. I've personally sort of speculated, you know, there's an awful lot of solar systems out there with an awful lot of planets. I mean, how many billions of them, right? I think I think I could go take charge of a couple of those. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. But it's interesting, the parallel passage that talks about the ten talents and the five and the one, the the individuals there who were given ten talents, which is, I think it's, anybody, I can't remember. I, you know, when I taught them that other material. No, 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 not a talent. No, it's a, it's a wage. Yeah. Anyway, it's a lot. It, it, my understanding is that it's, it's significant. Anyway, so they, they managed well these ten talents, and what they, got, uh, what they got for their reward was responsibility of ten cities. Now, that's not fair. That's not just. You know, for, for the responsibility of ten talents, they made ten more, maybe they should be given one. You know, they get five percent. I don't know. But what they got was the oversight of ten cities. So that's where, for me, I think 
Our faithfulness here on earth matters. How we're living counts and it matters. There are so many passages, and we're going to look at a few of them scattered here and there, where Jesus talks about treasure in heaven. Talk about that next week. Actually, some of that will be there. And and we've got to grasp that, again, this world is not all there is. We're caught by a society. We're caught in a culture that thinks, you know, it's just for today. You know, grasp, when I was going up, good beer commissioner, grasp all the gusto you can. You know, I don't even know who it was, but anyway. But it's not about grabbing all the gusto you can here in this life. It's about grabbing the gusto that's yet to come. We will share in Christ's riches. Eighth principle of stewardship. If we are faithful in little, God will give us more. But if we do not steward well what he has given us, even what we have may be taken away. And I I can't fully debrief to you what that means. I have up to this point never grasped, some of you may, and maybe I'll let you teach that material sometime. I I don't grasp what that fully means, but it's there. Matthew 25, 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Again, he's not talking about salvation. That is not, this passage has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with our faithfulness as stewards and the reward thereof. We have all been given gifts and talents. And the, the closest I can come is at some level, We all have responsibilities, whether that uh, be with our finances, whether that be with our bodies, whether that be with our families, whether that be in our church, whether that be in our city or our work. And if we're not getting the job done, he may need somebody else to do it. Now, again, I don't know how that works. I don't know what that would look like, but there's something there. So what are we to be stewards of? If God made us to be a steward, a manager, or to take care of it all, to work it, to rule over it, to take charge over it. If he's made us to do all of these things, what specifically is he talking about? And the answer is we're to be a steward of absolutely everything that God has entrusted to us, everything. Did God give you this environment to live in? Then stewardship involves ecology and taking care of the earth. Did God give you a physical body? Then stewardship involves physical fitness and nutrition. Did God give you an... Every single day of your life, then stewardship involves time management. Did God give you your wealth, your material possessions? Then stewardship involves money management, financial planning. Did God give you a position of authority? Has he allowed you to be in a place of prominence and responsibility? Then he expects you to steward and what the influence that he has given you. Did God give you salvation? Has he given you a new life in Christ? Then stewardship involves the responsibility of sharing the message of salvation with others as we began earlier tonight. So what we're talking about today, as I've said before, this is not a trivial issue. It's the very reason that we have been created and put on this earth to be managers of everything that God has given to us. Stewardship is a basic principle of life. It's foundational. And it is a key to living and being like Jesus. Jesus stewarded the resources that God gave to him, all of them. We can see that all through his ministry, whether they be people, whether they be the gifts of money, whether they be relationships, Jesus stewarded them all. Stewardship is understanding why we're here on earth. Stewardship is fulfilling the purpose for which God has made us. Stewardship involves managing every area of our lives for him. Our time, our money, our family, our home, our gifts, our talents, our work, our resources, our friends, our church. Every area of our life comes under the concept of stewardship. And the question I want us to consider for this week is as we look to begin to turn this key in the lock of our own lives, am I being faithful to steward well the things God has given me to manage? That's where I want to head. I want to talk about that for the next few weeks as we go further. But I'd like to leave us with that consideration. And my hope is is to encourage you to say, you know, God has blessed us. In our country in particular, we have been blessed people. The level of financial income that we each have is so far above 
and beyond, most of the world's populations. Just a few weeks ago, we had Dave Osborne, a vineyard missionary who's uh, working in Kenya, bring photographs of uh, some of uh, the uh, folks in Kenya that he's working with. And it's just, there's just no comparison to the resources that we have been given by God. And he is gonna, he's going to check us out someday. Someday he's going to say, how'd you do? And I know what I want is well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so I believe that we can start today. If, if this is new information, if this is just a, a new reminder, uh, a renewed mo- reminder, you don't really have to worry about where you've been. We're just responsible to walk forward. We may need to repent about how we've perhaps managed things in the past, but it, repentance means just simply turning around. It means, okay, I've been going this way, I've been doing it this way, that's not God's way. That's not going to be the life he wants. So I need to turn around and start going the other way. Right, just something I want to highlight is um, you guys seen the movie A Night with the King, you know, that the Esther story based out of uh, the Old Testament. And um, obviously she was beautiful, intelligent, and, you know, she had a purpose. And she had to steward um, those elements about herself for a purpose. And I felt like the Lord was telling to me that he wanted us to start with the personality, our thought life, how well are we stewarding our thought life. And felt like he was saying that was the issue with the third one because he had some really stinky thinking about God. And um, you know how he um, you know, said, I knew you were you know make me you take things that you didn't invest in and you know yeah the third one the third guy he was pretty negative about god and has a pretty bad crummy attitude about the kind of god that master he served and i feel like the lord was saying that he would like to start there as far as stewardship in our thought lives about him and um you know some of us uh, are angry at god because things haven't turned out the way we had wanted them to be or, you know, what, whatever your anger point is toward God or blaming God for things, I felt like the Lord just said, can we start there? Can we start with um, surrendering um, stewardship of those kinds of thoughts and let God change your mind? Because, you know, once that gets changed, how you feel about God, well, then everything else that Randy's going to talk about this week is going to be really easy because you'll get it. You'll get who it is that you're serving. So I just feel like we need to start there. Um, I think it it took me a while to get there as far as I explained it, but hopefully you got it. So um, I think I'd like you all to stand up. And we'll start there, and then we'll move on to whatever else God wants to do and speak this morning. Y'all, all all y'all stand. Yeah. And uh, let's just uh, open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to um, point out anything that's there, the stinky thinking towards him. Father, um, those two guys, the first two, they knew who you were, and it was easy to serve you and give you everything and invest radically their lives to what you've given them. And I would really like to be like one of those first two guys. But the third one, Lord, is um, the challenge. And, Father, I I just see your mercy here with us this afternoon, you really would like to deal with some of the stinky thinking that's in our head and our hearts about you. And you do it, Lord, because you're so merciful, because you want to reward us. You want to bless us. You want to fulfill us. And that's kind of in the way. So, Holy Spirit, I ask for your involvement now to um, just convict any hearts, Lord, here, of folks that have blamed you for how life sucks and uh, blamed you for their status or um, you're having to wait so long for some stuff that they've expected and it hasn't come. And, uh, Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit, please come and just change their mind about it and show it to them. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, just find a spirit of bitterness that has taken root 
out of a lot of dissatisfaction and frustration and disappointment. And I command that spirit of bitterness uh, to be bound and squeezed out from taking charge of your life. And I just release God's cleansing to come to you now, in Jesus' name. With your eyes still closed, I want to acknowledge that um, anger comes really as a, as a symptom of hurt. And I believe that there's some of you that are, are here um, and, and what you're in touch with is hurt, uh, that, that disappointment. And the Word teaches us that God is the God of all comfort. And I, I believe, my theology is, is that when we have been hurt, he's been hurt. When we've been abandoned, he was abandoned. When others have missed the mark in our lives, he has experienced that loss. And so some of you uh, here need the God of all comfort. And you probably need the comfort of human hands and his spirit through his sons and daughters to bring you comfort for some of those hurts. I'm particularly thoughtful of uh, someone who may have lost a loved one, probably in your childhood. I don't know if it's a parent. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a someone who's lost a child, um, but fairly significant hurt and loss that still has um, chains around your heart. And I believe that the Father would want to minister to that hurt uh, tonight, to unhook you from those chains. So Holy Spirit, we we do welcome you um, to uncover, to remove the anger, to where you could get at the hurt and bring your salve to bring healing. There's sort of hurt that is that festers, gets infected and grows and can become really ugly. So we welcome you tonight to bring healing and mending uh, to those here who have are are clear about some of those hurts. Help us to become the kind of people who, when we see the hurting and the broken, we don't judge the sin, but we love the hurting person. And that we can be the kind, like Jesus, who offered comfort. I'm getting a sense that, um, again, one or more of you may have had a loss of a career. Um, I don't know if something went wrong and it changed in schooling. I don't know if something changed in your family situation uh, after that. Uh, But some of you who have um, are are still hurt over. Uh, not being able to pursue a path, a career path that um, you had always longed for and hoped to do. Holy Spirit, we just uh, welcome you. If you would like to identify and highlight Um, any other areas of need here tonight that um, you would do that. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you know who we are. You know the needs that are here, whether they be needs for comfort, whether they need need for encouragement, 
Let's welcome you. Yeah, I am, but I'm actually I just got another one. Um, you know, there's a lot of divorce in our society and the pain of that, especially for kids. I mean, it's painful for uh, the husband and wife for sure. But um, some of you have been wounded here by uh, that pain and that that's, that's still the hook, a hook for you. And I would just, um, in a minute, what we're going to do is we're going to share a few more of these kinds of needs. You can sit down. Sorry. And um, just a couple more minutes. We're going to share a few more things that we're, some of us are sensing that the Father may want to minister to, extend care to. Um, we, we call ourselves a, a, you know, a spirit-led church. And here at the end of our service, we provide uh, an opportunity to be able to minister, to be able to welcome God, to say what he'd like to say, to do what he'd like to do. And uh, so this isn't pre-made up, obviously. My notes are back there and I'm down here. Um, but uh, again, a part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts of revelation, gifts of knowledge, um, gifts of encouragement. And uh, sometimes um, in this time frame, he gives us and allows us to share some of those with others. So that's kind of what's happening right now is we're just kind of waiting and things are happening. There's, I'm getting senses and so are some of the other leaders. So did you have something else? No? Oh, you just want Anybody else getting a sense of, as we've been talking these last few minutes, uh, a sense of something that the Father might be doing right now, a need that might be here tonight? I was getting in touch with this for me, but I have the sense that it applies to other people. And that is that in the parable, there seemed to be some level of fairness to what God did. But in life, sometimes... No matter how well you perform, you still get a slap in the face. And we kind of expect God to be that way, even though we know better intellectually, because that's what we've experienced from people. So that may be you. Thank you. Um, I was getting a sense that there are some people here who have been hurt um, by someone who has um, been overly vocal and boasting about their talents, and you have been hurt by that and feel like you were left out and that um, that it wasn't fair. So that's what I was getting a sense of. Justin, that's not you. Justin can play almost anything he puts his hands on. So Now, we might be the other person looking at him. <laughs> Had to lighten the room there a little bit. It's a little, little heavy here. I, I think there's some encouraging words uh, present. Um, I don't know who they're in. Um, I think there's some encouraging words for some folks here as well. Why don't we do this? Why don't we bring up um, some of our folks that were trained in the encouraging words and dream interpretation ministries. Um, Why don't you come up and join me for just a minute? Uh, A few years ago, we went through a season of, of training as a local church that was really wonderful. Um, and uh, heightened our understandings of uh, some of these gifts in particular, and including dream interpretation, which was uh, based upon the Hebraic um, dream interpretation from the Old Testament, primarily Daniel, Joseph, and some others, and learning and to understand those. But um, So there's in this regard, there's some things that happen in the natural. We look at somebody, and there's just a sense that there's a connection, something the Father wants to say. What I have historically found is that as I, as I start, then I tend to have uh, the word of the Lord 
But you get to determine if it is God or not. We're not saying, thus saith the Lord. We just say, when I look at you, what I'm seeing is uh, as somebody who's in need of uh, encouragement right now. So sometimes it's easier to actually look out at the crowd, and uh, it helps. Uh, Danny, yeah, you caught my eye. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus wants to tell you that he loves you like a son. And um, you're no orphan. And uh, he wants you to know that um, he's watching you and he's protecting you. And you don't need to be afraid about giving yourself to him completely. He's the best one to give yourself to. And um, I just see that he's going to use um, your parents and the family that you have to build you up and uh, pay attention because... You know, your dad there sitting next to you has got some smart things to tell you. And he's been picked for you. And listen to them. And uh, it's going to go well with you. The more you learn how to obey your parents, the better it's going to be for you. And um, I just really see um, your parents being really proud of you. And uh, when the going gets tough, like, you know, it gets kind of tough to to raise a boy in this time of life. And sometimes they probably want to go, yeah, what are we doing? You know? But you are going to bring so much pleasure and pride to your parents because you're going to grow up to be an awesome, awesome man of God. So, bless you. Uh, when uh, Randy was talking about stewardship and as he uh, was mentioning uh, different uh, things about the steward and you read that story, you see that the ones that were faithful, you know, they got rewarded and um, increase. Uh, there was increase to what they had. But uh, I have a sense that there are some here that feel, and they have been faithful, and they're being faithful, but feel like they have not been rewarded for their faithfulness. And I just want to uh, encourage you that, you know, many times uh, we have heard Randy said that this part of our life is just a little dot on the line of eternity. And your reward is great. You might not see it, no, but your reward is great. One of the things that's fascinating about the spiritual life is that we get tested by God and we get tested by the devil. And sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to know where the tests come from. You know, some, sometimes it's just in retrospect. Um, but I have a, uh, a verse here that I think is going to minister to several people. And uh, most of, I assume most of you are familiar with the story of Joseph. I'm not Obviously, don't have time to go into the detail. I, ex- uh, yes, the <laughs> recommend that you do, you know, check it out when you get a chance. But in in Psalms, it's uh, chapter 105, verse 19. It says, "Until the time came to fulfill His word, the Lord tested Joseph's character." And you, some of you have been in a season of testing. And the Lord is about to fulfill his word. That applies to you. Sarah, that applies to you as well. And there's probably others here. If I don't recognize you, it's just claim it. Take it. I think we have a general theme going Um, I was seeing something, and I think it applies to a lot of people. Um, I know it's for you, Dave, as well. 
and that is that it's not uncommon in the winter to have a drought. And when you're in that situation, to feel like the drought's going to go on forever. But the fact is that snow's falling on the top of the mountain, and eventually that'll melt. And in the spring, then you get, you know, the water you need. And the amount of snow on the mountain is going to determine how much water is going to come to you. And so there's snow on the mountain, and it's starting to melt. Maybe you should just stay up here with us. Um, I got a sense of, um, we, there was a story one time about three candles, and one was love, one was peace, and another one was hope. And the first two, peace and love, kind of blew out because there wasn't, a ne- they, they were overwhelmed by the darkness in the world. But because hope stayed alive, the other ones were be able to be relit. Relit, sorry. So I just got a sense that if you hang on to the hope that better things are coming, that the other areas of your life will be able to be revived. So. Okay, I think we'll just pray and uh, thank the Father for his words to us of encouragement. Father, we do thank you for your care and um, that you are also a God of hope, the God of all hope. And um, I know that for myself, that uh, even at 50, this, uh, the, the understanding and learning about what does it mean to trust you is still very, very present. And um, Lord, that's, that's a part of the, the character training and that you're at work on in our lives. And so, Father, for those that are here who have uh, decisions to make, uh, questions about what in the world are you doing right now, um, Father, I ask that you would help them in their hearts and minds, first and above all, to trust you and to um, have that reorientation in their thinking um, that you are a good God, that you are a loving God, and that you are for them. And that then, Father, they can look to you and say, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do? Bring me counsel. Bring me wisdom. Father, we each stand in many of those places. And I also, uh, Father, just want to thank you for those who have been so faithful that are here. Uh, many, many, many here, uh, Lord, have, have just walked, kept walking through the flames, have walked through the hurts, have pressed through the disappointments, um, the loss of income, uh, the illnesses, and Father, I just pray that even tonight you would encourage them again, that they would hear you say, even up to this point, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, you have you have and are saying that to many here. And I ask that they would hear your voice now and would hear your comforting words, that you would walk with them from this location tonight as they uh, walk towards the many responsibilities uh, that they face in this week that they would know your love for them and that every one of us, Lord, would learn your heart and love for others. As we look and assess the life of Jesus, he is just so committed to people. And I know that for myself, uh, sometimes it's it's um, hard to follow in that same path, but uh, help us, oh God, uh, to die to ourselves, to die to our uh, misunderstandings and to welcome the truth of your heart and your love for every human being. And might we become, as a church, as a people, uh, change agents to see others like Meg, like my friends, uh, come into uh, a more um, clear relationship with you. I'll ask that you would stir us to evangelism again, stir us to the sharing of the good news of what you've done in our lives and the encouragement that others need. Turn your lights on around us. Lord, let us be light in this darkened world. In Jesus' name. If, as we were sharing those words or during this time, you have a sense that you would like to talk with somebody or have one of us pray for you or with you about a circumstance, particularly in your life, a hurt from the past um, situation, perhaps you've got a decision to make and uh, you'd just like someone to pray with you about that, 
uh, these folks uh, up here and others that would like uh, to come that are uh, captains and leaders and uh, trained individuals from our um, groups. If you would like to come up and be a part of this time, you can do that now. Um, and then uh, we will have uh, those of you who would like prayer, we like to provide that opportunity here uh, for you as we close. So God bless you all. Thank you for being with us today. Hope you have a great week. And those of you who are new and would like to hang out uh, with some of us as leaders and have some pizza, we would love to have you. So just uh, make sure you talk to me back there at the table in case you didn't do one of the yellow pieces of paper. And we will do that connect time. God bless you all. Have a great week.